Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to The Auburn Express. Powered by The War Report. All aboard the AM departure from Platform 334, The Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. All right. Let's get back into this conversation, guys. We are talking conference realignment. We are talking about the potential playoff. And B. Will had some thoughts on this. I will let you get this kicked off, sir. There's something that gets talked about a lot, right? We're talking about teams losing their traditional rivals, their geographic rivals. Okay. I don't think that has as much value as everybody says it does. And I will give you an example of how I know it doesn't. It has more to do with whether or not those teams are good and competitive and those games are good and competitive. Texas A&M left the Big 12. They traditionally played Texas, right? It was a big deal. Um, I think Texas and Texas Tech, those are their biggest rivals. They had a pre-existing relationship with Arkansas, right? Because Arkansas used to be in like the Big South with Texas. I'm not sure exactly how that worked, but Arkansas wasn't... Um, they were originally playing either Texas or Texas A&M regularly. Y'all correct me in the chat if, I, if I'm wrong. Texas A&M came over to the SEC, and everybody was like, oh, we're not going to get to play Texas anymore. They started playing Bama. Johnny Manziel beat Bama year one or year two. And since that time, that has been a more contentious rivalry than Texas and Texas A&M had been for like the last five years. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> On top of that, let me give them, I'm, yeah. I'm not even Maybe through. Ask some Texas A&M people about that. I, I, I don't agree with that at all, but okay. Okay, well, you know what? That's fair. Going from the outside looking in, there has been more sparks between Bama and A&M, mostly because it was initially competitive, and then Jimbo just won one. Now you throw the little flavor on there with Jimbo and Saban in the back and forth. A rivalry is being made because the two teams have some jostling going back and forth. I think that's more important to building a rivalry than, well, we used to play you every year. I don't think there's as much value in tradition as a lot of people. And when I say as much value, I mean just because we've been doing the thing forever doesn't mean it's the best thing to do. Treat your boys. Chill Boys Underwear is designed for maximum comfort with enough space to keep you cool, calm, 
and comfortable. Chill Boy's underwear will help you keep the boys close. Uh, not too close. When the game is on the line, you won't break a sweat with Chill Boy's underwear. Whether it's left boy, right boy, or both boys, Chill Boy's provides your boys comfort like you've never felt. Visit chillboys.com and use code RAPPORT, that's R-A-P-P-O-R-T, and get 15% off of your order. Maximize your chill with Chill Boy's. Like, that's that's something, and that's that's kind of human nature. We've been doing this for so long. Like, what's one of my things that I don't like about actual football is that people think playing outside in negative 20-degree weather somehow makes it more football-y than if we were playing in a dome. I want to execute this game, and those elements make it difficult, if not impossible, to execute the game. We are no longer playing the game. We're managing the elements. We can't pass the ball. We're running the ball, but the footing is terrible. The ground is harder, so people are breaking more bones. What about that makes it more football enjoyable or more better executed? Nothing. It's just that football started in elements, so everybody thinks, well, traditionally, this is how it's played. Yeah, but that's bad. Those elements make the game bad. Why are you okay with the game being bad just because we started playing the game this way? It's okay to move on from things that aren't really that good or aren't serving us anymore if there's a better option. And that is my submission to you that Texas A&M and Texas, Texas has been trash for like 10 years. Absolute bottom-feeding trash. I'll even give you this. The win over LSU that we had last year to break a streak of losses at LSU didn't mean as much to me because they weren't Good. Am I the only person that wants to beat somebody when they're good? Like when somebody beats us in 2012 and they wear their, oh, we beat y'all 38 nothing. We were terrible. Is that a feather you want in your cap? I don't care that you beat us when we were bad. Beat us when we're good. Beat us when we are, we got 10 wins and you're coming into Jordan Hare. That's impressive. Saban can't do that. That's mm-hmm. impressive. Do I care that you beat us when we had six losses? No, that's not impressive. So, all these years where Texas A&M has been over here, he's, they've been competing, and they've been losing, don't get me wrong, because we are a better conference than the Big 12 was. The tradition that they had with Texas was based on, at some point, this was a competitive rivalry. For the last 10 years, it would not have been a competitive rivalry. What you lost there, I think you end up gaining more by being on a bigger stage with better teams, playing better coaches, and being becoming a better program, they're not a better program than anybody in the SEC who is better than them. I think LSU is still overall a better program than uh, Texas A&M. I think Bama is. I think we are because what does Texas A&M want since they've been here? Nothing. We won the SEC since Texas A&M has been in here. I don't think there's nearly as much value in tradition. You have to look at what is going to be the best thing for us. However, it is weird that USC be affiliated with a conference thousands of miles away. That's just weird. I don't know that that serves you better, but when you can potentially bring in tens of millions of dollars more per year just in TV money, you know, then you start doing some math. Tradition versus, you know, 30 additional uh, million dollars per year. And that's a decision that administrators are going to make and conference commissioners are going to make and the school administrators are going to make too. I mean, listen, man, they want that money too. So, yeah. I'm not ever. T- I'm not saying that all things that are old things are bad. I'm saying all things that are old things aren't necessarily good, just because you're used to doing them. 
and no, I, that's one hundred percent true. I, I, I don't I, I, like the I, idea I, I that just, I'm used to seeing this. Wait, hold so on, wait a minute. You're disagreeing I'm, that I'm, I'm, dis- only- I'm disagreeing with the point about Texas, Texas A and I think he's completely understated what that rivalry means to people in the state of Texas. No, okay, right? I'm so not. From, from, so that, so from, the, from the out, so from the outside looking in. You may think, oh, well, you know, they have it. I'm telling the, the hate and the vitriol that exists between those two schools and their fan bases when they play. You're talking about records and all that. They don't care about that when they play. That's what college football is. That's what you don't want to lose. You don't. It doesn't matter how the beauty of it is. It doesn't matter how bad each team is. The, the intensity around the game is still the same. To me, that's the beauty in a lot of those traditional rivalries. Texas, Texas A&M was definitely one of them because you're talking about two schools who definitely have the resources, two very well-resourced schools. Now, the results on the field vary because there are a bunch of other variables. Coaching, you know, you got to hire a good coach. You know, they got the money for a good coach, but you miss sometimes. They sit in a hotbed of recruiting. And um, you had everything, some of the, some of the factors that, that make Auburn, Alabama what it is. You have a perceived little brother syndrome from one school. And you've got all these things that, to, I mean, I, again, like I wasn't watching that rival. It's not, it's not regional to me. But like when I talk to people I know from there, they, they like, it was, it was weird. They were very in between because Texas's arrogance around football in general, it increased the vitriol there. So there was some, um, there was some satisfaction in saying, you know what, we took our ball and we went to the SEC. And then there was the other half of people that were just, you know what, but we don't get the satisfaction of being able to beat you when we have a good, a good team. I don't think it matters whether you're good or you're bad in a really good traditional rivalry. It just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, you know, some of them, I mean, uh, 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 a bad team beating a good team, man, like that's a feather you definitely want in your cap. Uh, it, it, I don't, I don't care how good or bad Bama is. We we want to beat them every single year, and I know they feel that way about Auburn. That same thing existed there. Uh, I'm not saying that it's all. There are a bunch of other rivalries in the country like that, but you know, because we don't live in those areas, sometimes it's easy to underestimate because the teams are not good what those games mean to the people who live in those areas to the businesses in those areas. And I just living out in um, Phoenix for a while, ASU and Arizona are trash (laughs) in football, but they care about that stuff out there. It was just the Arizona, everywhere they go, they go bear down, bear down. Mm -hmm. And they say all the same stuff we do about, Hey, where'd you get that ASU t-shirt Walmart? Uh, (laughs) It's all the same stuff. So they're not very witty out there. Right, yeah. So why? I I hear you, but it still don't, it's not the same. So while to me, I'm just like, okay, why are these two trash teams so worked up about all this trash football they're about to play? It matters to them. Okay, well, it doesn't have to matter to me. It matters to the people who live in those communities, man. I'm telling you. I will grant you that, of course, it can and should matter to the people who are patrons of those institutions. However, there are rivalries that decide the national landscape. Auburn, Alabama has been that rivalry for the last 15 years. 2019, we won the Iron Bowl. After what would have been a miserable season if we had not won the Iron Bowl. Maybe Gus Malzahn gets fired sooner. I'm not sure. But he wins that. That was Alabama's second loss. That kept them out of the playoff. We altered the landscape of the national championship that year by winning 
our rivalry game. And we went on to lose to Minnesota. We weren't even that good. But we were able to change Man, the national hurts. championship participants just by playing and, and winning our rivalry game. The same thing in 2013. They were on the way to another because they would have beaten Missouri if we had if we if they had won and we had lost that game. We have shaped some of Nick Saban's dynasty just by being here. That's a meaningful rivalry nationally. Texas and Texas A&M can't lay claim to that. That's what I mean by a, a very meaningful. So what's what's been better for Texas A&M's program, do you think? Staying there and beating up on uh, Texas? But there's not a lot of other rivalries that can lay claim to that outside of the SEC in general. So That's I, right. I mean, just saying football outside <laughs> the SEC right. doesn't matter, right? That's like, right. I mean, Ohio I, no, I mean, that, that is exactly what I would be saying. Let's talk, I'm going to jump in here and grab a couple of comments, then we'll get back into this conversation because I do want to um, be Will and I had a difference of agreement about whether this advances us towards a, an expansion of the playoff. Uh, Lawrence Robinson on the subject of this says the Big Ten now has 16 schools. When will they change the name of the conference? Uh, it is a poorly named conference at this point in time. I don't really understand what we're doing here. Is it just a big? <laughs> Whoever the named big. the SEC had some foresight, buddy. Because let me yeah, tell you, like, the, we're big not 12, no the Big 12, the Big 10, the Pac-12, no, 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 no. At least the ACC and the SEC, no matter who you add and subtract, your name will stay the same. What yeah, is Texas? Texas, as long as Texas it's is Midwest, thing, right? Like, Texas is Midwest. Texas... <sighs> Culturally, the Southwest. Southwest, Southwest, yeah. Um, Phil jumps in, says Pac-12 should add Boise and Fresno. Honestly, Fresno State has been a consistently good football team for like the last eight years. I, I I would be rushing to put them in, but it's not about just are you a good football team. The revenue is about football. Leaving the conference is about football, but who you add is about prestige and name recognition. Fresno State doesn't have that. I mean, but who are they going to get? They, 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 they can't, they can't, beggars can't be choosers at this point in time. Either you right. want to try to get back up to 12 schools or you don't. So, right. Yeah. You just got to take who you can get. Walt Taylor jumps in here with the super chat. Appreciate it very much, sir. If we go to 20, what four do we add? Clemson, FSU, Georgia Tech to maintain the UJ rivalry and who? Any North thoughts Carolina. on? Yeah. North uh, Carolina. Yeah, I, I would say Clemson, FSU. That makes us a better basketball conference for yeah, sure. Yeah. You take, you take North Carolina. Um, and uh, I think Georgia Tech because they've already got a natural rival in Georgia, Clemson with South Carolina, Florida State with Florida. North Carolina gives you a kind of secondary rivalry to both Clemson and South Carolina in football yeah. and basketball. I, I think that's a win geographically. It's all in the footprint. We don't have to look goofy by adding, you know, somebody up in in Nebraska or something like if that. It's not Georgia Tech. Do we consider taking Miami? No, I, I, mean, I say no. My, Miami makes sense um, from a geographic standpoint. I don't know that they are a cultural fit anymore. Right, for that's what the we difference. Want as far as SEC schools, mm-hmm. um, North Carolina honestly isn't. Re- I mean, because you're. I mean, what do you do with Duke, North Carolina once you get that up out of there, though? Like, but see, they you, can still, still schedule it out of the conference, right? Yeah, I mean, they can, but it, you definitely lose that battle for the ACC type of feel that you're going to have with that uh, mm-hmm. i don't know if north carolina would consider that it's a better revenue move for them um, but i don't know if they would consider it for that standpoint i think the other option that you might have out there would be to grab one of the other texas schools right so maybe you get a tcu or somebody like Ooh. that you know i didn't say they were good i, I was just saying as far as <laughs> geographics 
Um, they could, I mean, but TCU plays SEC style football though. Like they're going to be heavy on defense. They're going to be about discipline and smash mouth, all that kind of thing. So well, they have been with Gary Patterson, but he's not the coach anymore. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I don't know where they're going to be going in the future. I don't know. Yeah. That's a good thought there, Walt. Um, Ben Bloodworth jumps in. Big 10 should rebrand to coast to coast to the coast to coast conference. Uh, that is pretty much what they are right now. They are just a large, uh, mass of people out there. Ed Darby says, uh, Clemson, North Carolina, Florida State, Miami, maybe Georgia Tech or Virginia Tech um, uh, as the other school. I almost kind of like the Virginia Tech idea. Virginia Tech is a good one. Virginia yeah. Tech's a good one. I kind of like that. I think Georgia and Tech Virginia and Virginia Tech both add an academic component that the Southeastern Conference, it, it would be a benefit. You start yeah, putting some, I, I some high profile. I could see Clemson, Florida State, G- Georgia Tech, and Virginia Tech as a good solid four. Yeah. Um, I know everybody's big on uh, – um, North Carolina or Miami. I, n- neither one of those is super exciting for me. I say from a basketball standpoint, I definitely see North Carolina adding to the conference, but from football, uh, it does nothing for me. Oh, so. that's a good point. It both of those markets, though. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't disagree with the market situation. Yeah. I mean, but we, we, we already have a pretty. Uh, it's an arms race at this point in time, right? Like the Big Ten and the SEC are in an arms race to see who is going to be the more dominant ones um and it's it's you know uh the conference commissioners at this point in time are trying to one up one another so we'll definitely see what happens there uh, unfortunately the ACC and the Pac-12 and the uh, Big 12 just kind of have to sit there at the mercy of these two uh glaciers um that are heading down uh Lawrence Robinson jumps in which current G5 school will be able to move up to Power 5 Tulsa Memphis Coastal Carolina Tulane are done if they can't move up um, I don't know. It's a good question. We already talked. I mean, uh, the, the big 12 was talking about, uh, assimilating a couple of these schools into their situation. Right. Um, they did, right. They, where well, yeah. they added, Cincinnati, I mean, in principle, Cincinnati, UCF. And, yeah. It was somebody UCF else. Yeah. We're supposed to be coming. Um, I think Memphis was part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forget who, what UAB actually just left their conference. Um, recently. they went from the, to the, to from wait. They, they went, went to whatever the old conference was that, um, they, like they were in Conference USA and they just moved right. to I forgot what the other. It's another Power Five. I mean, so I mean Group of Five, group five yeah, conference. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what those Group of Five schools do because that's the other big thing in here. And and this is um, kind of uh, let me grab this one here. Uh, Alex Wilson with the super chat. Appreciate you. you could see SMU donors throwing in money to be in the SEC. Uh, definitely could see that happening again. We're talking about footprint and then dollars. SMU definitely has it. Um, it would help them from a recruiting standpoint because they do have the money. Then they would have the prestige of the SEC label along with them mm. to be able to try to get mm. back into the conversation. I could see that being a possibility. The problem that you have with SMU is they don't have a natural rivalry that allows right. for there to be. I mean, it's it's a fertile recruiting ground in Texas, of course. I just don't know that there's this natural tension that happens with SMU versus anybody who you would add them to the conference. Yeah, with. I don't I don't think their money matters in terms of getting into the conference either. It's it's more about what they bring to the conference. Right. What do you, what do you bring to the conference? Uh, Which is why the of, cash cow right now is who's going to be able to coax Notre Dame into the conversation. I mean, Notre Dame's the big one out there. That's the, that's the only other large program. And it makes more sense, honestly, for them to go to the big 10 geographically. Yeah. Um, but they, they have to give up their, uh, their uh, TV yeah. contract with NBC, I think. 
Yeah, they yeah. do. They yeah. Yeah, somebody yeah. said that at this point, because of the deals that are being negotiated behind the scenes for a super conference SEC in 2024 or the super conference Big Ten in 2024, that it's now trumping what that Notre Dame deal is. Like now, on a yearly basis, the amount of income you get by being a part of these new TV contracts for these new conferences that are going to be huge with all these traditional powerhouses, now it's it's dwarfing what that deal was when you signed it back in whatever, you know, the 90s or whatever uh, Notre Dame signed that deal. They renewed it uh, not uh, too recently, but the deal to mm-hmm. me wasn't, it wasn't even that good. It was, you know, they want to be independent. So they got a deal. Um, they bring in $15 million a year annually from their NBC deal. That's yeah. it? That's it. Oh, wow. That's what they're bringing in. I mean, who, who wants to watch Notre Dame? So there's your problem right there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely a lot to talk about there. We'll get back into some more um, uh, their deal, oh, well, chat their, comments here in a minute. Their but. deal runs through 2025, and the Big Ten's current media deal ends in 2023. Okay. So if they go, they'd have to out early. They'd, they'd have to probably get out have to pay out early. early. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So Interesting. Young athletes need the tools for success on the field and on the court. And now more than ever, in the arena of business. In the new era of name, image, and likeness, Athletic Architects is here for young athletes and parents to help prepare for your financial futures. Let Athletic Architects start helping you build your house. Visit buildthehouse.com and let's build together. Before we get out of here, just have a quick conversation about whether or not this moves the ball forward in the potential of an expansion of the playoff or whether this hurts this. I argued that it could potentially hurt the expansion of the playoff because the conference title, however you do that, may have some sort of playoff structure or the conference champion it would just really just need to be the battle of the champions from the super conferences as opposed to some sort of playoff. B. Will thinks that this may advance it. So I'll, I'll let you kick off your thoughts and then I'll see what rebuttal I have for that. And then, Mike G., you can definitely weigh in if you have any thoughts on it. Okay, so, so my initial thoughts are we're going to have these two super conferences. What, what I'm looking at is the in-between time when USC and UCLA are in the Big Ten and that will give them 16 total teams? Is that right? Something like that, yeah. I think that's what Ben just said okay. the number was, 16. Mm-hmm. And when OU and Texas come into the fold in the SEC, we will have 16 total teams, right? Mm-hmm. There is a, a little period between then and what we all expect to be a 20-team conference apiece. Mm-hmm. I think that is the remaining time that both the Pac-12, the Big 12, well, and the ACC too, have to say, okay, well, listen, listen, just hear me out. We can be competitive. Put us in the mix. They should have said that initially because they had nothing to lose by being the seventh best team, but you're in a playoff or the 10th best team if you're in a playoff, if it was a 12 team. Because if you say yes to that at that time, then yeah, Oregon might not win a championship, but if Oregon is number seven and they win their first game in the playoff, that's a lot better than what you were looking at prior. Right now, they're on the outside looking in. So what they have is this period where those really big teams are gone. Texas is gone. Oklahoma's gone. USC is gone. UCLA is gone. And now you need to show that you are competitive because the real contract that's going to affect everybody that will turn it from group of five to group of uh, eight 
real quick is when that national championship contract comes back up and it says, here are the teams that can play for a national championship. If you aren't in that mix, buddy, because I, I, I don't think there's anything officially saying Cincinnati cannot be added. Obviously, they were added to the, the, the football playoff. Mm-hmm. Technically, everybody can be considered for this. Realistically, if these powerhouses are all in two conferences, we grab Clemson, we grab, uh, I don't know, let's, hypothetically, let's say Miami, two people who have the best chance of competing from that conference. Let's say Oregon and another team from the pack goes to the Big Ten. Notre Dame goes one or the other. All of a sudden, those preseason polls start to lean towards only those two conferences. Mm-hmm. The coverage leans only towards those two conferences. Mm-hmm. The television coverage is only going to show those two conferences. And everybody else is going to be on Fubo TV and ESPN 6, hoping <laughs> to get people who vote for Heisman and, and ranked teams, hoping to get some eyes on their product, and they will not be able to get it. Agreed. The only way you make that happen is between 2023-4, whenever the new teams get into these conferences, and whenever that college football playoff thing is up, you have to have these teams, the Pac-12, the Big 12, the ACC, look competitive with teams that are not USC, UCLA, Clemson, and the teams that we think might have a chance of coming to the SEC or the, or the, or the Big 10. That is your only shot. And that's why I think these teams, even in the interim, will go, okay, well, listen, we'll play ball now, okay? And we'll get our guys in at eight. We'll get our guys in at nine. We'll get our guys in at 10, whatever it takes. We will beat one of the super conferences teams in that 12-team playoff as justification that we belong on this stage. So when you're renegotiating, not this next one that's up in 2025, but the one after that, after those smaller, the people who lost their big dudes are now competing against those two super conferences, we need you to believe that we are worth keeping your eye on, that we are worth paying attention to. We need uh, whoever's left. We need Washington to beat Michigan on a neutral field in a playoff. That's why I think they say okay to it, because now if they have no reason to justify that they belong on the big stage, they will be completely left out of the discussion as soon as those 20 team conferences are complete. Agreed. And which is why I think they have absolutely no leverage in the conversation. You can say, hey, invite me to the party. I still have to care that you get an invitation. And I don't think the Big Ten and the SEC care anymore. They wanted to try to put more seats at the table, and everybody was like, nah, we're not doing that. And it's like, all right, fine. We'll just leave you out of the conversation altogether. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Right, if you, you didn't want to play ball when I gave you the opportunity, why should I care now? And I don't think they care. And I think mm-hmm. that this hurts the opportunity for an expansion of the playoff because they're going to feel like we're just going to settle it within our conferences and then the winners from our two conferences go on to the national title. The group of five been screaming exactly what you're talking about will be the fate of the ACC Pac-12 and the Big 12 for years. Hey, we deserve a chance. And you know what the Power Five said? Screw you guys. I don't care. You know what the TV network said? I don't care either. We're just going to continue to put the Power Five guys on TV. Now that we've got these two major conferences, they're going to keep saying the same thing. I don't care. You had your shot to make this work. You screwed it up. Why do I care now? You have no leverage in this conversation. 
you have no powerful entities to be able to sway anybody one way or the other. They do not care. Now, the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big 12, yeah, they want to make this work. They don't have any leverage, though. The only leverage left in this entire thing, if they're going to swing for the fences, they better do it in basketball. That's the only leverage any of these guys have left as far as TV contracts, et cetera, are concerned is because that's the only other major athletic thing that gets big TV contracts. I mean, you might be good in some of these other sports, but the TV contracts are what matter. The only thing they've got left is basketball. Right. The Pac-12 usually has some okay um, basketball teams. Yeah, that's That's all they have. They can't, but they, but in football, you're done. You can't. We, we're not yeah, having this conversation about football anymore. Yeah, because you were done before. Like, right? They you were barely in there before. Had, before you're yeah. done now. Yeah, you're done. You're done now. And they still had an opportunity to make the playoff, but the margin for error for pack schools was so much smaller mm-hmm. than the other major conferences because our perception of play within that conference is is just not good. Yeah. Um, you know, again, this is only going to increase the SEC hate, but I, I just think this is a consolidation of power in college football. For sure. Right now, you know, if you're Greg Sankey, you just picked up Oklahoma and Texas, and you've got a lot of the tradition, the big money, uh, the, the big brands in college football in your conference. And that is a complete coup for them. And then the Big Ten, again, they were the only other conference that I think had a mix of brands big enough to put something together that would challenge this. So, you know, I mean, look at it. Adding USC and UCLA gets you, again, that LA TV market. It's going to be rough, man. And I'll tell you, I don't know how many USC fans are going to be traveling to Penn (laughs) State. (laughs) For away games, yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, it, that, like, it's going to be rough on be travel. Very tough on travel. I think you're going to see lower attendance um, in terms of away team fans attending some of these games because it's expensive. Travel is expensive right now, right? Um, and people aren't exactly post, you know, shutdown in a position to just go drop a bunch of money on plane tickets and hotel rooms and. God, when we were talking about just going to Penn State, from I was looking at it. I was like, man, I got to go in here. I got to rent a car. You know, there are no hotel rooms in and around the universities because a lot of times those are small towns with limited amount of hotel rooms, and they get blocked out quick. So you got to stay an hour away. It's, it's already not easy. But that, that's that's why you have to have national brands, though, right? Like you have to have schools that have people in that area, right? Like right. Um, there are Auburn fans all over the country. People don't believe that, but that's right. true. There are yeah. Auburn fans all over the country. So when Auburn travels to your area, people are like, oh, they're finally close to me. I can go and watch my right. team play. That's right. what USC has. That's what UCLA has. You know, they, you know, their fans from Southern California aren't going to make the trip, but the fans that are in the upper Northwest right. or excuse me, Northeast that never get to see their team play are going to be salivating over it. They're yeah. gonna be like, well, oh, when, I, when I tell you that the 2013 national championship game in the Rose Bowl looked like a home game for Auburn, mm-hmm. it was insane. And I know our, our fans travel well, it's a national title game, yeah. um, but that's, there's also a high concentration of Auburn grads within distance of Pasadena. So if not in California, Arizona, you know, I always, I'd see Auburn tags all the time when I lived in Phoenix. I mean, you know, with the, and that's only a five hour drive to get over there. So there were enough fans with, to Ike's point within driving distance that, you know, um, you know, some fans, 
paid uh, a bunch of money. Caesar uh, was one of he flew out to Phoenix and then we drove to Pasadena because they were jacking up plane flights from Birmingham to L.A. Yeah. Um, knowing that Auburn fans were going to try to travel out there. Uh, but it's going to be it's going to be one of those things, man, where this is um, I just think what you're going to see is you're going to see a SEC playoff, a Big Ten playoff, and then everybody else is going to cry that their guy didn't get in. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, yeah. So I, I think it's going to be interesting. There are two things, and I'll let you get the final word on this, B, before we get out of here. There are two things that I think are going to be interesting, and that is what this does to the regular season. Um, because if you're talking about having a, conf- a conference playoff, you know, how many games do you have in your regular season before that conference mm-hmm. playoff is going to have to happen before you get a conference winner and then have to play an eventual national championship? And then the the fact that we're even considering some sort of expansion of a playoff at all and having all of these very disparate places. That's why, you know, the reason why basketball, number one, is difficult on fans is because, number one, you don't know where your team is going to be playing when it right. gets to tournament time, right? And right. so it's really hard to plan, and you just don't see, if you're not anticipating your team winning, you don't see your fans travel a lot because you're like, man, I need like think about Texas A&M uh, just recently in the SEC championship. Their fans didn't think Texas A&M was going to get to the SEC title game in the championship. So they didn't travel to come right. to that tournament. They had a bunch of Kentucky and Auburn fans there. Neither team made it. I was there. I know in Tampa, you yeah. couldn't, you could throw a rock and I guarantee you, you would hit a Kentucky or an Auburn fan. I promise you, they were everywhere in Tampa. Yeah, Texas A&M fans were nowhere to be seen because they didn't think that they were going to win. So when you talk about this national championship, you know, the proliferation of Auburn fans in Pasadena, it was because it was the BCS national championship. You knew your team was playing for the title, right? If you don't know your team's playing for the title in the playoff and you got to figure out in two weeks, oh man, we're actually going to make it to the title. Now fans have to figure out on two weeks notice, how am I going to go get to support my team? Right. So that that's why the TV contracts become an even bigger thing because, well, people can't travel. They got to watch it on TV. So the other fallout from this, I think, is the bowl situation is going to become... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, bowl games are already super irrelevant. I don't know how bowl games maintain their relevancy with the super uh, conferences situation. And that is another reason why I thought the twelve team playoff worked so well was because yeah, all I, you I have think to it do, works. But right. again, leverage who has it? But anyway, yeah, I said if, I was going to give you last word. Go ahead and go on it. If bowl games, so you got kids opting out because of, of course they don't want to risk their their livelihood with their first contract is going to be in the NFL for an injury. And then for what's it? It's, it's an exhibition game. We put yeah. a lot of when it goes on the coaches win loss, but it's just an exhibition game. It is not very relevant now, especially you got two of your uh, your your top three or four players sitting out because they don't want to get hurt. What kind of team is this? If I take the top three or four players off of any team, it's going to be different. I don't even know why this. It shouldn't. It's hard to say. I under the current circumstances, I don't think bowl games should count. If all your players aren't there, the players you've been playing with all year, okay. Well, well if you're not here, then why are we why are we playing? Everybody's going to sit down. We're just playing so we can practice for four weeks. NCAA, give us a rule so we can practice for four weeks. If I'm going to play without my best players, then what are we even doing? But that's that's part of the, the problem with the bowl games now is they've lost all of their, their venom. All of the meaningfulness of bowl games is gone because people aren't just going out here to play for pride. Or again, tradition is almost meaningless when you're telling me, okay, I'm going to lose how many million if I get hurt? What does tradition mean to me? I'm sitting out. Y'all have fun with that. I gave y'all a solid three years, four years, whatever. It's time for me to secure my future because I have played for this team for 
no income. Benefits, sure. Income, no. It's time for me to secure my income. I'm going to play, and I'm going to look out for myself. Teams do you have think to NIL do changes that at all? NIL may change that. I wonder if there's any contractual language in NIL that rewards play for postseason games. I have no idea. I, if if I have no idea. I don't know if you can keep a kid from opting out of that, but... Well, you can't keep it from opting out, but let's just say it's like, you know, this is a huge television game for your, your NIL guy. And you're like, no, you need to go out there and that's play. Against, that's against the current rules, though. In what way? NIL play, uh, pay can't be contingent on playing in games. No, I'm not saying it's contingent on it. My point is that you're saying that this is another contract opportunity. If your team qualifies for the Rose Bowl and you know it's a huge TV contract and you're like, hey, man, go out there and play, you know, we'll give you a an additional blah 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 to advertise us in california next week because you're going to go make appearances at all these places you're going to go do xyz for this mm, yeah. go out there and push the brand a little bit more you get a little extra check but you gotta you gotta make the trip with the team you gotta go play yeah i wonder how uh, it's gonna look. that I, that sounds iffy to me under the current rules it, there's a it lot is. of things that sound <laughs> iffy. Yeah, that sounds real rules. iffy yeah. like I, i'm not sure that would be allowed um uh, but I know that they're clearing up what what will and won't be allowed. So who knows what's going to be allowed in a year? Yeah, I now. wonder right. if some of those bowl sponsors will do nil checks for the, the players that come. Like, so it's the Tostitos, blah blah blah, and they're going to do some sort of Tostitos sponsorship for all the t- the players that are like superstars for those teams. Now, listen, bowl gifts have always been a thing. So yeah, right. for sure, like yeah. So, but I'm saying that they can't have the the player rep that brand i'm talking about a specific thing you know it's gonna be tank bigsby coming to play at your bowl game versus some high touted person from some other school so you're gonna give tank a kicker because he's coming to do that and now he can do like i said appearances in town uh, boasting your brand like not just give him gifts but actually have him do ad reads for your thing or whatever. Like oh, short term NIL deal that isn't based on your participation at the school necessarily. Oh, you're going to be at odds with coaches a lot, man. Like when yeah. you travel for a bowl game, coaches, depending on the game, uh, Birmingham Bowl, maybe restrictions weren't so tight because so many of those guys like live in the state of Alabama and it's, there wasn't a lot of travel. But when you go out of town, man, um, they control that experience. Um, every second of your, I mean, even your free time is designated. You, know, you got exactly two hours to go do this, this, and that. They've got um, sponsor like events that they have to attend already. So, mm-hmm. like whoever the bowl game sponsor is, I, I remember we went to um, the Music City Bowl, and they had like a bowl off between us and Wisconsin. And there are all these things that you have to do. You know, Capital One Bowl, again, same thing. I mean, we got branded leather jackets, and we had all these places that we had to be as a team. But the coaches are just like outside of those scheduled events. They just don't They don't want players getting in trouble or out. They don't They reduce the, the, the probability of something happening to you while you're out. It doesn't even have to be trouble, man. It could be a car accident, like anything that might keep you from playing – uh, I I just think I I think you would meet some resistance from the coaches on that. Uh, I mean, you're gonna I, I I guess my point is that they're having to figure out how to manage this right now with nil and people right. having responsibilities to go and do and whatever. 
That's this is the reason they why a lot like of coaches are trying to figure out how to rein this in right now because it's yeah. like I have less control over my athletes when they have contractual obligations okay. outside of football. So 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 peep me again. I talked about power consolidation. Now that two conferences own a majority of the big uh, uh, profitable brands, I think you're going to see these guys get together and start to set their own rules around this stuff. I this, okay. I smell I smell the death of the NCAA coming here. With this, because you know you get you got your conference commissioners, and again they, they don't have any reason to play nice with anybody else at this point. Right. That's why I got to find that article to send to you guys. But like the pack, that's why the pack, the pack, and the ACC, you played yourself. Yeah. You should have played ball, and your refusal to expand the playoff. There's some pride and arrogance in it, but they're like, man, these mediocre ass conferences are holding up progress. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take your girlfriend, and then we're going to take her out to eat at your favorite spot. And you're going to like it. That's pretty much what they she did. You're going to post them pics on IG on her favorite meal. You're going to be sick. Oh, right. look at this. Oh, uh, and they're using your credit card for it. That That's sounds what like they an did. SEC shorts uh, skit. Uh-huh. Like, they, they you're welcome, by the way, if you want to use the that. The pack, right? And then they took the hottest girls out of the pack and just said, all right, now y'all the mid-conference. So you know what, though? Okay. Here's the one thing about two super conferences that I think does not work. And I think a couple of people have asked about it. But when it comes to an in-conference tournament, okay, that looks really weird all of a sudden. Because unlike NFL football, these guys, they got their bodies on the line. Yeah, we know that. They're getting paid a lot of money to have their bodies on the line. And even still, not guaranteed enough for what they have to put up with, with, with physically. Soccer can do this because it's soccer. Basketball can do this. A little mid-season tournament or a, a, a pre-postseason tournament like what the NBA just instituted. In football, if conferences are going to be what they traditionally have been, you are playing through a conference schedule to come up with a conference champion. So the Big Ten has theirs. The SEC has theirs. Let's say it's Ohio State and Auburn. Kings of the Hill. Why would anything need to take place except for Ohio State versus Auburn that year? What are you doing about a postseason schedule that makes sense for two conferences who have pretty much the entirety of teams that would interest a college football audience? I think that now looks messier than ever. It it makes the postseason more complicated. And yeah, I, I wonder mean, does, how that looks. Like I have I mean, no so idea how that like, looks. I, I think the only thing that I would be looking at is uh, from the super conference standpoint is, okay, if there's a clear you're the best team in this conference situation, but what if you're the 1A in the conference? It's like, like last year with Georgia and Alabama, right? It's clear that those were the two best teams in our conference, but they still needed to figure this. They, you needed a playoff structure to say, okay, these are the best two, but they haven't played head-to-head, right? The SEC right. championship game was their opportunity, really, which should have been a playoff game, right? Whoever wins this gets to go on and play somebody else. So that would be your your conference tournament, or excuse me, your conference champions would then play each other for those two super conferences. So you would still have a quasi-four-team playoff just with those two super conferences, um, but the problem, I guess, the, the messiness in this for me is just going to be how you you parse out the regular season. Because if it's 20 teams, everybody's not going to play one another. So you don't really right. ever know 
Uh, Or do you only play within your division, right? Do you have a Big Ten or whatever they turn to? The coast-to-coast, as Ben Bloodworth suggested, Mm -hmm. the coast-to-coast West and coast-to-coast East play amongst each other. The winners from those play each other in a a conference championship game. Yeah, the conference playoff. Right, but but you don't. But do you have crossover games? Like, what? How do you figure? Because it's going to be if it's a twenty-team league, right? That means you have nine games from your side. You're going to have one or two cupcakes, and then maybe one crossover game. Again, I don't know how you parse out football. Yeah, I don't. I don't don't know how you parse that out. You would you you would have to maybe shorten your SEC schedule by a game, and because I mean that would be just a lot of football. Do you do a fourteen playoff? Right within the mm-hmm. conference, and then you send. I mean, I just I don't know. It would it's really going to right. challenge the current playoff model if the conferences have to go to that. And right. then what's going to end up happening is we're going to get a, we're going to get a twelve team playoff. That's 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 what solves this. I think to me is is right. that you send your conference champion, and then you know you have your at larges that come the WAC ten and the. Um, Big, not the, nothing. The small, right, the small yeah. twelve, the WAC ten. So their yeah, conference right. champions will be in there, yeah. and the rest will be super teams. Uh, yeah, the no CC, right? Like <laughs> they can't. They're going to. They'll have their shot to get their champions in as well. But they're still going to have to be like they're going to get the crappiest seeds. I mean, you know, you can you imagine like you know some mid Oregon team is going to get put up against Alabama first go, so Alabama gets a bye. This is what's going to happen. Um, and they'll still get their chance to prove, but they're not going to get preferential treatment in that in this new system, I don't think. So really short-sighted by those conference commissioners. And, you know, the articles are being written right now about, I think the guy's name is Larry Scott mm-hmm. as the PAC commissioner. And um, who is oh, yeah, they're, they're hammering this dude. They and are Bowlesby, hammering I think Bowlesby is the Big, um, the Big 12 guy. Like, they are getting just destroyed right now. Uh, because they just didn't have the foresight. They're waiting on things to happen to them. And the SEC is doing the exact opposite, right? They're paving the way. Wasn't there supposed to be like an ACC pack alliance or something? That was a big 10 Big 10 impact. And then they went and was like, hey, thank you for the idea of alliance. That means we're just going to (laughs) steal your best assets and and bring them to our side. Uh. When we said alliance, we actually meant we want USC and UCLA, thanks. That's yeah. what we meant. <laughs> the playoff blocking explanation made a lot of sense to me. It's just you have guys who are weighing in on things that they think are in their best interest, but it's not in the best interest of college football, mm-hmm. right? You know, you're, you're thinking, I'm going to protect PAC institutions, and you actually expose yourself to them jumping to a conference that has more sway. Right. And now you have less sway, so um, it doesn't, doesn't make any sense to leave voting power in the PAC's hands on issues on, on where college football is going. I think it's probably what happened is like they had all these conference commissioners and they got into a meeting together. And then like USC and UCLA was in the meeting with a bunch of these Big Ten folks. And it was like, y'all got what over here? Mm-hmm. What? And they, you know, they sitting here looking around. They like, hey, cuz. Mm-hmm. Yep. We get done. Come on, come on. I, I, got, I just yeah. want—I want to have a quick conversation, man. Because you know, I—I didn't—I didn't actually realize that your conference could be run better. This come, that, come get me. That come TV money me. is significantly more. Like the TV yeah. money they're about to the, the, get is going to be like 
it's going to be insane amount of money that they're going to make moving to the big. And um, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see how they handle uh, West Coast kickoffs. You know, that was one of the things. Yeah. You know, this guy did uh, this one dude. This he's a, again a UW fan, so forgive him. But I was trying mm-hmm. to explain the um, recruiting disadvantage that a lot of the West Coast schools have just because of the time they play. Like, I'm not staying up to watch USC most nights on the East right. Coast because yeah, those, those games, those games, are games were happening at like 10 o'clock at night right, over here, man. Right. Like, what? Or they're starting at this. awkward times for the East Coast. Right. Like 4 <laughs> or, p.m. our time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Yeah. It, was, it was really difficult to watch those schools, man, and stay up and watch. And they just have so many, like, geographical challenges, you know, versus the rest of the country that they needed to hold on to their flagship, flagship schools. They just yeah, did. Because, you have to because, again, when you're in that TV market, you, you just got rid of two of the biggest TV market guys, number one. And number two you make the games more relevant for people nationally now who cares when arizona state is playing who cares who cares that arizona state plays washington that game is so irrelevant it's so irrelevant